Diary. I've been collecting mascot stories for almost a year now, and this is a best of for episodes 11 through 20, plus a few extras. Take a listen. So do you have any, like, did you take any graduation pictures or like with the suit or anything? Or I'm not sure how the unveiling goes if you have your graduation like, yeah, so what what it was was we on Facebook we have a we had a live stream of my reveal. So it was a big ceremony in between the first and second period of a hockey game in that intermission. And they kind of gave a little bit of a bio on me and then I pulled off the head and then I gave it was a the passing of the bone, the golden bone to the new Brutus. That's awesome. So there's kind of that ceremony. And then there are some pictures taken during. So yeah, if you, if you go on a, the Facebook Brutus Ferris, uh, you can see some of those. So you literally pass on this golden bone, like to yep, another Brutus, <laughs> literally a, a giant dog, like rawhide dog bone. That's spray painted gold. Awesome. <laughs> and then you pass it on. <laughs> that's awesome. Were there were there any like really crazy fans that were like, oh my god, like I was in love with you or something? Like <laughs> you know, you get those crazy fans like yeah. that were just dying to know who you were. Not really. Oh, okay. When you're performing for that many people, you have to have skits. So, can you tell me about your skits and what makes a good skit for you? Um. Well, with the Kingfish, they had all my skits planned out. I got to work with them a few times and make my own skits, but. My favorite skit as Elvis was, one, the musical chair skit. So we would have it where the kids play inflatable musical chairs with the mascot. And what I would do is I would I would get past round two, and I would take the chair and start running away. So <laughs> one of the interns would tackle me, and the crowd loved it. And then there was a few other skits where we'd have a base race. And we had one of the interns dressed as one of the rival players. So every, everybody thought he was from the other team. And when he would beat the kid in the race, I would jump up and tackle him. And then we'd just do some random ones where Elvis got kicked in the nuts by little kids and <laughs> anything, man. The Kingfish crowd was seriously the best crowd I have. Like, they were so rowdy and everything. Get That's the pun awesome. there, rowdy. Um, but... It was just an amazing time. We'll start. We'll start with the drunken adults first. Get them out of the way. <laughs> um, it's it's not drunken adults as in to the extent of like they're drunk and they're just getting annoying. They're drunk and they're funny and they they kind of they they kind of the reality between they know there's someone in there this costume and the actual character itself that that kind of fades away and they kind of it's kind of like they become a child themselves. So. I've been at many games where I've stood next to a couple of fans. They've had beers in their hands, and I've, as they've gone to drink the beer, I've threatened to knock their arms so the beer goes everywhere. Um, I've had one fan actually offer me the beer, uh, <laughs> which is quite ironic because I, I don't drink alcohol. So to hold this kind of beer pint, and as he's just randomly walked off, I'm like, what what do I do with this now? I can't drink it. <laughs> what do I do with it? Um, which is it's quite funny. Like these are these are just a selected few. One time I went up to a random away fan. Uh, he just purchased a, a beer from the bar. Um, I tapped him on the shoulder on one side, snuck around the other, took his pint and walked off, <laughs> um, only to find him later sat back in his seat with two more beers while I'm still holding his beer. So he must have 
completely forgot he had ordered the beer already and ordered two more to make up for it. <laughs> oh um, and God. I went back to give him it like three, four minutes later and he's he's already got two. And I'm like, um, here, have a third one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're some of the kind of adult moments that are pretty funny. Like you, And we've adults as well. Some of them that don't drink, they, they have that, should we say, wild sense of humour. There's stuff that I can do. And they, they kind of understand what I'm getting at when I'm doing it. Like, it's it's only stuff that a mature mind would get. Yeah, we, we have this, like, gas-powered kind of gun thing where we can put T-shirts into it and we can kind of shoot them into the crowd. So we do that during one of the period breaks. Uh, one week, the gun didn't work. So I was kind of like, I had seven T-shirts. I was like, okay, we'll do three this side, three this side, and then the kind of... Well, no, I did two this side, two this side, and then two down the far end. And I was like, right, I've got one left. I don't really want to be giving anybody kind of one more in one section. So as I got off, like there was this little kid, probably no more than five, six years old. I was like, just kind of handing him a T-shirt. And he's like, just looks at me, looks at his dad, looks at T-shirt, looks back at his dad and says, have I got a T-shirt? And his dad goes, yeah, you're going to thank him. And he's like, he high fives me, fist bumps me, gives me a hug. And he's just like pure just big smile ear to ear on his face it's like oh my god I've got a t-shirt I'm gonna tell everybody at school I've got a t-shirt and it's like he puts it on it's like a dress on him <laughs> but yeah. he just enjoys the t-shirt it's literally just a plain t-shirt with the club logo on it and it's just brilliant to see that that, that kid is just enjoying himself while he's just got a t-shirt which probably only costs like six or seven pounds from the club store but um it's it's something he's obviously going to hold on to until Till he kind of realizes that if there is someone inside <laughs> this <laughs> this big green dragon <laughs> but even then it's like the making those memories and those positive memories like looking back i'm sure he's going to be a fan of the club and maybe one day take his kids <laughs> yeah for sure and that, that's exactly like like how i was like, like i say i'm i'm in my mid-20s now um i feel like i'm getting old and obviously the next thing on my mindset is is children as everybody thinks about um, but the first thing I'm going to be doing is like taking them down to the ice hockey, you know, getting them into it when they can. And it's it it weirdly enough, it it's something I've never seen a lot of when I used to go as a child with my dad. But a lot more recently, when people have children, I've seen a lot more coming in, maybe like two, three weeks after being out of hospital with the newborn child as well. Right, I've had many photos in the last maybe month or so of me holding this newborn baby and the mom and the dad are standing beside me and they're, they're beaming with smiles and in the costume obviously I'm like you know I'm holding this precious little thing <laughs> how can you trust in me you know you just know me as a big green dragon how do you how can you trust me enough to hold this precious little form of life but yeah it, it's it's good to see like that's some of the memories that you kind of walk away like if you if I've had a bad week at work it's it's that kind of stuff I I look forward to come the weekend um that makes my kind of like yeah I might have had a bad day at work one one day last week but it's made up for when I see these people laughing joking smiling you know enjoying themselves with me you know it's 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 all made up for in that it's like I say it's cheesy it's corny I know but it is it is fun what's yeah? the hardest part about mascotting cleaning the suit <laughs> 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 I'm gonna be brutally honest. It's as much as I enjoy doing it, you don't half sweat when you are wearing the thing. So any opportunity I can get to clean the thing, it's cleaned. Um because it's not the easiest thing to clean either. 
Um, many a times I've brought it back to my place and I've ran a hot bath because of how big it is and I've ran down, got my washing detergent and whatever for the for, that I'd normally put in the machine and I've just put it in the bath, I've mixed it up, I've dumped <laughs> the suit in, I've rubbed it, I've scrubbed it and then I've left it to dry and then I realised I need it in two days and I'm like, right, that's not going to be dry in time and I'd like to get the hair dryer on it. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's, if I could pick one negative, that is it, but I wouldn't even say it's a negative because even though it can be time consuming and it takes a lot of work uh, to get done, it's still enjoyable in a weird way because I don't know you're doing it to make yourself feel clean <laughs> and you're making sure the fans aren't touching something that's not been washed for a month so <laughs> I love this subject I'm sorry I love that you said that because yeah there's a whole there's another episode where we get into like cleaning the suit and I'm just fascinated by that subject and I don't know why um because yes yeah, I think it's a lot of work and something that you think about when you're like people I've seen people like kiss the costume and i'm like no i love the mascot yeah. but i am not gonna put my lips on that that I had dirty someone, fur <laughs> yes weirdly enough i had someone last week um i haven't washed it don't know how long i'll be honest i don't know how long i've wa- not washed it for because of christmas and new year i've just haven't got around to doing it uh i had someone kiss it last week and i actually in the suit scrunched my face <laughs> and i very rarely feel like i could be sick and i felt like i could have been sick at that point i was like okay that's 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 disgusting we would bring them out to living history farms and they would go to the enjoy the easter festivities out there which included seeing the easter bunny and i magically had a meeting that day so i couldn't go with them but that's all uh that's all we told them was that daddy's in a meeting so he can't go with us out on out through living history farms but he'll be with us when the when the easter stuff is done so it was funny because here would come my kids up to see the easter bunny and so we would sit there and we'd take the pictures and everything like that and then they'd go away and then i would magically reappear after the festivities were over from my quote-unquote meeting and they were none the wiser they they never (laughs) ever knew about that so so that's that's how we started when my kids got to the age where they were at the point where, okay, the Easter bunny thing is starting to wear a little thin, we decided to unveil me to them. And at the time, my mother worked at Living History Farms. She worked in their gift shop at Living History Farms. And the place where I would get ready to be the Easter bunny and then undress from being the Easter bunny was in the back of her shop. And so one year we just decided, okay, it's time to let them know. And grandma took the kids and says, "Okay, we're going to go back here and we're going to go see the Easter Bunny. So they followed the Easter Bunny back after the after the festivities were over. And I walked in the back room. I took the head off and turned around and they darn near fell on the floor. They were shocked. (laughs) So it was it was funny. So that's how we told our kids that I was the Easter Bunny and therefore a mascot. So so that's the story on how they first found out that that daddy wore funny costumes from time to time. And your son is is older now, and he's actually decided to follow in your footsteps and become a mascot. Can you tell me how, or tell us, the listeners and everyone, how he decided to tell you that he wanted to become a mascot? I was uh, enjoying the American Hockey League team we had in town at the time, the Iowa Stars, and uh, we're we're big hockey fans, and so we were at a game, and I noticed that their mascot was a raccoon named Shooter, and. I would watch him during the game and I says, you know what, that looks kind of fun to do. 
So after one of the games, the next day I got to work and I looked up on their website, the person who was in charge of marketing and, and uh, PR and, you know, promotions and things like that. And I, and I emailed this person and said, Hey, look, you know, I've done a little bit of mascotting in my past. I got a little bit of experience. And I says, if you ever need somebody to fill in a shooter, I says, I would be more than willing to come down and talk to you. And it was really funny because I, I kid you not, 10 minutes after I hit send on that email message, my phone rang and it was the Iowa stars. And they said, Hey, we just got your email message. Are you, are you really wanting to be a mascot? Because they didn't know if I was pranking them or not. And I says, yeah, I've got a little of ex uh, experience, you know? And so, yeah, I'd be interested in it. And they said, okay, you're hired. And I went, what? <laughs> they said, okay, you're hired. And I, I says, I don't have to audition. I don't have to interview. They says, nope, you're hired. And so when I went home and told my kids and, and my family that, I says, guess what? Daddy just got hired as shooter for the Iowa Stars today. And my son looked at me and says, oh, man, I want to do that. So <laughs> he basically knew right from the minute, right from the start, as soon as I uh, got the job as, as shooter, that he wants to be one. So he basically just said, Dad, I want to do that, too. So what we did that year was I kind of took the lead, but he filled in for me a little bit after, you know, for a couple of, of times. And then the next year, the Iowa Stars were looking for somebody to be a music director uh, behind the scenes. And so they asked me if I'd be interested in doing that. And I said, absolutely, I'd be interested in doing that. And I says, as long as Jeff gets to be shooter. And they says, we got no problem with that. So Jeff basically took over a shooter full time in the second year that uh, we were with the Iowa Stars, and, and that's basically how that story went. One game I was doing my round of the suites, and there was a group of men in a suite that were enjoying the game, and, and they were enjoying adult beverages. And, I mean, they were, they were excited, they were happy, but they weren't being obnoxious or anything like that, but they were, they were enjoying the game, and they were enjoying the, uh, the adult beverages. And when I entered the suite, as I did with any suite, you know, all of a sudden the focus was on the mascot and, oh, my gosh, you know, things really got loud and really excited and, and really over the top. And so we took pictures. We did high fives. We did bro hugs and all that kind of stuff. But then one guy decided that it would be a brilliant idea if they took the mascot two suites down where there just happened to be a bachelorette party. Well, these these young ladies, I had visited their suite and these young ladies were just fine. They were enjoying you know, a beverage too, but they were not loud. They were not obnoxious. They were not, you know, partying, swinging from, you know, the balcony or anything like that. They were being very respectful, very mature. And these guys were, you know, being, you know, guys, they were being loud and partying and everything like that. And they thought they would use me as the way to introduce themselves to the bachelorette ladies a couple of suites down. And I knew that was going to go badly. So, um, I basically tried to dissuade them from doing that in any way I can. And finally, they decided to pick me up and were going to walk me down to the suite. And I was really not enjoying this prospect whatsoever. I finally was able to get myself out of their grasp when I stood in the doorway and I put my hands out and I says, hey, guys, this is not a good idea. How about if you guys just stay in here and enjoy your sausage fest? And again, I broke the code of silence, but, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And of course, the guys laughed because all oh, the mascot talked and, you know, I, I used the term sausage fest and they thought that was just hilarious and everything like that. So they quickly abandoned their idea of invading these young lady suites. And I was very happy for that because I, I was not happy with what was going to happen. But I got called into the office the next day because one of the gentlemen in the suite posted out on Facebook that I had told them about their quote unquote sausage fest. 
and the organization decided that that was a egregious conduct on my part to say that kind of stuff, even though I was able to avoid what could potentially have been a lawsuit or at best a very bad outcome of these uh, gentlemen. So um, I was immediately relieved of my duties. And so that's a, uh, that's a story I have on that one, but you know, that is what it is. At the end of the day, you're a person wearing a silly costume. So <laughs> yeah, you may be able to dance better than a lot of people, or you may be able to skate better or have some gymnastic talent, but all in all, humble yourself because after all, you're a person in a silly costume. You know better than any other staff member on that team uh, working the game. Just don't be a raging diva is kind of what I put down here. And in today's, in today's uh, world of technology, I put this in caps, and you've heard this in, in a number of ways, but think before you hit send. And what I, I mean by that is if you're going to be active in the social media as your character, remember you represent the character and the team or the organization first and foremost. So you may have a political opinion or a religious opinion of your own, but that mascot's social media account is not the place to express it. So whatever you send, post, or display is a direct reflection of the team, and your views may not align with the team's views. So just like I said, think before you hit send. Um, push the envelope. You know, I've been told by a lot of fellow mascots that if you aren't making people mad, you're not doing it right. So the people in this case are typically short-sighted staff members or executives, um, and you may get your butt chewed a couple times for stuff you're doing, but if you're pushing the envelope and you do the right things, the rewards will follow. It was at an event which actually was aimed at kids of all ages, and my handler had wandered off for maybe a minute. It couldn't have been longer than that. I, I didn't even notice she had gone until this happened. And uh, a group of three 11, 12-year-olds uh, sort of, wandered over and I could instantly feel something was off just by the way they were coming across to me. Um, I was out in the open at the time as well, so there wasn't anywhere I could really go to. So I just sort of went, okay, let's let's do this. And then they came in for a hug and a high five and then the hug lasted slightly too long. Again, they, they weren't hugging hard, they were just sort of holding on to me. And I was going, what's what is this i couldn't really see at that point because you can't really see down so a lot of the time when you're hugging a, a small child you look down when they come in so you know where they are and then if it's a photo or something you're looking up and you just got no idea where they are you know they're there somewhere you can feel them holding on but you you don't properly know and then the next thing i know is i just get a face um sort of peering in the mouth I look out the mouth on this costume and he had the most sort of the biggest look of malice on his face oh ever God. and I just knew something was going wrong and then in this costume you've got a uh, the nose of course it's above my eye line because I'm looking out the mouth uh, and it's a big sort of Muppet nose so one of those big foam noses that's comically oversized and sticking out yeah and uh, yeah they tried to rip it off <laughs> Now, luckily, I used my height to my advantage, and I just stood up tall, and then they suddenly couldn't reach anymore, and uh, took a step away, and it was about that point, I think, um, I can't remember, I think someone stepped in, or I think I just walked away, but yeah, them ripping at the, at the nose, it really 
got my neck because, of course, the head's completely strapped down. So anything they're doing to the nose is going straight down my neck on the back of the head where the straps are. And, yeah, it felt like I were trying to rip my head off. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. And and you showed me the pictures of, you know, how you're strapped in to that, that suit. And it's it's really intense. Like I could I it's like this maze like I could totally see how there's no way you're getting out of that if someone's pulling on you like they're pulling on you not just the costume yeah definitely yeah it's very closely fitted that one so it's it was completely different to the head and the suit I wore at the uh, the cancer research run which was one of these ones that had the hoops in so Uh it it wasn't really touching you at all and then the head was literally uh, a hard hat so no strap or anything. So if the wind blew or someone tried to knock it off, it would come clean off very easily. But in the in the Furchester Hotel suit, you're, you're, you're pretty much stuck in it. Yeah. So this event, as I say, it was a it was a 10K run and I was had free reign of the event village and the start line and the finish line. And um, general rules was go and help start the races, clap the runners in, get photos with everyone. Anything else you do is a bonus. And yeah, I was expecting like a briefing to say when the starts of the races were, and that didn't happen. Uh, as soon as we were in costume, we just got bundled out of this little volunteers section of the tent, uh, of the main sort of marquee tent that had all the bag storage and the registration desks for the runners in. And uh, yeah, so we got bundled out of the tent. I was with another mascot. And yeah, we just sort of went and free, went free roaming around. After a couple of hours, as I say, it was snowing, which helped keep me cooler. But after two hours or so, I was really hot and needed a drink. So I came back into the volunteer section, had a quick look round, but obviously not enough. Went to the corner where all our stuff was and promptly took the head off. I was in a, an enclosed section of the tent that shouldn't have been open to the public. And there was a family of uh, mum, dad and two six-year-olds in the other corner of the tent. Uh, The mum and dad were signing up to volunteer for the last race. And I just hadn't clocked them when I went in because I had uh, no peripheral vision. And yeah, those kids looked a bit shocked. (laughs) And I know you're never meant to, you know, spoil the magic or anything. And I felt so bad doing it. But at that point, I didn't quite know what to do. I didn't know whether I should put the head back on and try and find somewhere else to take a break or or what. I think I ended up uh, just staying there, ignoring the kid as much as possible with the head off because I thought that would be even weirder if I came over to him. I had the quickest break, literally chugged some water down and went back out as soon as possible. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> there was a woman who was trying to put her uh try to be as PC as possible her nether regions in my face. What? Oh my god. Because gosh. she really wanted to have a picture of Sparky's nose in her you know where. <laughs> and oh I was god. like, I don't know I don't know what to do here, really. Um so I kind of just kind of like I kind of just I I kept my head up as high as I could because the thing with the mascot costume is your eyes are above your head. So if you want to look forward, you have to look down. If you want to look down, you have to look really far down if you want to like stuff like that. So I just kind of – 
I I threw all of like the tableau out the window, and when I looked like out the window, I just kept my head straight up so that she couldn't do anything with it. And then she kind of just didn't care anymore, took a regular picture and left. Uh, so that kind of just I try to do like nonviolent diffusing. If I if I I I know what my body can do, whether I'm doing it or I have forces being impacted on me, imposed on me. So I know like how my body can bend, how it can move, and I know. But if she's trying to get my head down, if I just hold my head up, then there's nothing really she could do. And she's like, oh, whatever. And then she kind of gets disinterested. And like I said, a treat when adults get rambunctious, you treat them like kids. What yeah. do kids do? When kids get disinterested, they walk away and they just leave alone. So that's kind of how I handle that. There was a a Blackhawks fan that tried to fight me once. Drunk or just dumb? <laughs> kind of drunk. Because okay. what happened was the Blackhawks came to the Islanders to Barclays Center. And what I did was I, I found a cardboard box. I ripped half the box off. I found a magic, uh, like a Sharpie. And I wrote with an arrow pointing down to the bottom of the sign. I wrote Blackhawks fans since 2010. <laughs> and I was walking around holding it over Blackhawks fans head. And it was getting a really good reaction. People thought it was funny. Blackhawks fans and Islanders fans thought it was hilarious. There were some Blackhawks. I went to a group of Blackhawks fan, Blackhawks fans. And I did that to one guy, and they were like, "Oh my god, that's right. That is totally you. You didn't care about them. They won the cup." And it was really funny. And I went over to this one group of of Blackhawks fans in the visiting side of the of the arena, and there was a little girl, and the little girl stole the sign, so I stole her hat because that's for tat and i stole her hat and i did the whole wipe it on my butt thing and i threw it back to her which was like funny she laughed but then the guy got like really angry he wasn't even with her like she was with another family and he just got really angry he's like oh oh you're messing with a little girl oh blah, 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 big tough guy and i was like i'm i couldn't say anything but i was thinking to myself like it's for fun she had fun i had fun people laughed there's no reason to get crazy and i just did what i did with the woman i just kind of walked away and let it diffuse itself you know i kind of gave security a nudge when i was walking past not, I didn't want to get the guy thrown out, but I was like, just make sure you watch that guy. But uh, he's kind of getting a little drunk. But usually that's just how I use it with, with adults. You just kind of, you kind of ignore them. You know, you kind of just let them figure out that, wow, I'm getting mad at a mascot. I should probably relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and the adults or maybe women? <laughs> the women. The, the women are. <laughs> oh, I think. <laughs> The women are, are worse than the men because they, <laughs> they, um, well, how can I put it? They, they like a cuddle, and some of them get a little bit adventurous with their cuddles. <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> um, so I, 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 uh, I don't, you know, I don't mind that really. I just make a joke out of it. But they, they like to, as they say over here. They like to what they call copper feel. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's all done in good part, and um, so I don't mind. It's it's all, it's all taken in good part. But the women are very, very hands-on, shall we say? Yeah. Not that I can feel much. I'm all padded up. Yeah. <laughs> we had um, a local rival team. We were playing a local rival team, and their mascot was a Viking. And they decided that at half time they would have us race. So behind the, the goal line at one end of the field, we had to sprint and jump through tires and hoops and go over boards and things like that. And then oh my gosh. turn around, come back, do it all again. And then we had to pick the ball up 20 yards out from the try line or the touch, touch down line, as you might call it. And, and then our, 
I would pick it up and then I would dive, I had to dive over the line. It was the first one to score, win the race and score. And I, I won it, but I, we had a lot of fans behind the, the goalposts. And I, um, I cracked on that uh, this particular mascot was, how can I put it? Uh, not as, um, let's just say not as fit as he should be. And he, he saw me do it to the crowd and he decided he wasn't going to have any of that. He got really annoyed and he started a fight. He actually started a fight. What? And, uh, I, yeah, and I was shouting to him, what are you doing? This kid's here. What, what are you doing? And he, he went about it quite viciously. And in the end, I just thought, I can't have this. I need to defend myself here because nobody was coming to help me. And um, so I, I grabbed him by his, his shirt and I managed to put like a judo throw on him and put him on the ground. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just as he went on the ground, some of the stewards uh, came over, took him away. I think they realized that he attacked me, as it were, and he got sacked. And uh, So there was that. Uh, there was another one where there was some mask. Two, there was two mascots at this club, and I went to their ground, and uh, they wanted to pretend that we were boxing spar fighting if you like and i said no no you can't do that with children around he said no we're only going to pretend well you know some mascots wear the big boots yes you know, the big, big footwear well i i refuse to wear it because i think they're dangerous so i wear trainers uh-huh. and they were they were wearing boots and they were boxing me or sparring me and i put my left foot forward in a boxing stance and i my, i couldn't see but my foot went on his big boot and when I pretended to, to throw a punch, he fell over. And this was in front of his home supporters. And they, they actually thought I'd hit their mascot oh. and knocked him down. <laughs> and the place went wild. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they're, they're the only other, the only things I've had problems with mascots. Other than that, we, we always make a point of you know, meeting in the centre of the field and shaking hands and things like that. Yeah, good um, sportsmanship yeah. for the kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing that's gone on for 20 years, and I've tried to stop this, but I can't stop it. It's just become an accepted part of the pre-match routine. And it started 20 years ago where I used to wear two pairs of shorts. One one of the top short was the, the strip, the uniform. Um, and underneath was a pair of coloured shorts, and I used to write a message on there for the fans, and um, and they would chant for me to show my ass. <laughs> it would chant, "Wolfie, Wolfie shows your ass," and so I would drop my shorts, and they would see a message on there, and it was usually a message that started them off chanting, singing a song. Um, and when I first did it, I got hauled in by the police. Uh, and I had to explain to them, look, this is, this is, um, do you know what pantomime is? Do you know what pantomime? Yeah. Have you ever heard of pantomime? Yeah, I said, yeah. look, this is just pantomime. This is, this is Laurel and Hardy stuff. It's just me interacting with the crowd and they accepted it. It's okay. You can carry on doing it. Uh, but now I have to have a message on my backside <laughs> for every game that I go to because the crowd just chant Wolfie Wolfie shows your ass and um, every, it's so difficult to come up with a different short message that I can fit on my backside on the shorts 
and that's that's happened for the last 20 years i can't stop them doing it uh, it's very weird but it's i try to keep it um clean you know i try to make it more as inoffensive to people as i possibly can but you know i've got away with it for over 20 years so i suppose it, it makes people smile oh yeah definitely i would i would love that <laughs> i would chant that women have told me that they want me to or they want to have my baby what? and they're <laughs> yeah i'm like oh man i don't think that's possible um <laughs> Wow. Sorry about that. <laughs> was it like shouting out or was it a creepy whisper? Like <laughs> it, she she said it kind of loud. It was in like a suite. Okay. So I mean, I think she was a little uh, a little drunk with her friends and she she did blurt it out pretty loud. That and is... I was just like, "All right. That's a first. That's a first for the show too." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. One of the best days I ever had was last April. Um, I went and visited a kid who's kind of famous in our area. He had cancer and he always did dances before his chemo. So I went there, surprised him and we did a dance before chemo. And then I sat with him during when he was getting the chemo and just seeing like him doze off. And he was like holding my hand and he, he was like comforting me. It was, I don't it was the sweetest thing. And I just, I, I cried. <laughs> I was like crying in costume and just to like make this kid's day. Yeah. And just oh see gosh. him sit there and he's so brave. Oh, that, I mean, those moments are the best. Yeah. I know they're really tough, but they really are the best because I don't know. They're inspiring. I feel so that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think about so much. It's like, yeah. wow, I complained about that today. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Lululemon underwear is actually beautiful. <laughs> wait, wait, can we? <laughs> so you wear women's underwear too? No, no. Lululemon makes uh, men's underwear. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, those sorry, are my like, what? probably my favorite to be between the Nike Under Armour and Lululemon. Those are probably the most sweat wicking. Oh, okay. I'm diagnosed with type one. And that happened what, seven years ago. I should have been in a coma. They don't know, even know how I was walking around. My sugars were like a thousand four hundred range. And it's been sort of a long battle to get to where I'm at today. But um, my sugars are actually my A1C is actually six point which is unheard of for type ones. I take really good control of it and care of it. So that's good. I mean, you didn't know in the beginning like that, like you didn't notice any symptoms or anything like. Um, the funny thing is the symptoms were I was work. I worked for a, uh, a trolley and double decker company out of Chicago. And I would be either be driving the buses or giving a tour. And I just thought it was. You know, just sweating and the weather keep getting to me. And after a while, I was just like getting really, really sick after lunch. And so I went to the doctor and I was like, yeah, these are the pants that used to fit. I wore pants that I started the trolley company in and I could put like two of me in there. And then uh, 
there told me and then it was uh it was a battle since i just remember the spotlights on them the lights are off it's just a spotlight and they announce the name of the character well i remember thinking about what i was going to do and just the moment the hype the energy feeding off the crowd being really my first big mascot appearance out in the public uh, in front of this many people and they go and here's sizzle and i remember running out and it was so slick i slid and the head went flying off of me remember the spotlight's on me no one else is out here all i mean just a packed arena i ended up hitting my head on the ice getting a concussion no Oh my god! <laughs> and then trying to pick up my head, uh, which was like five feet away, which I didn't realize was so hard to still walk on the ice. I don't know why I didn't figure that out. Try to put the head back on, slip and fall again. The head goes flying like ten more feet. I end up getting the head and going into the break room. That was definitely the most embarrassing thing that has happened to me as a mascot. I've had some really, really brutal experiences with fans. The baseball team, I, I've mentioned i was working for my first real mascot job i didn't have a spotter and honestly i think the worst it got was we had a game on the fourth of july and people were throwing firecrackers at me in this stadium and i was like this is nuts it's like a hundred and some degrees i've got a huge costume on and now people are throwing fireworks at me what a wonderful uh experience that was that was really tough being in a mascot costume, my vision is so limited. With every character, there's some limitation as far as how far you can see, what you can actually see, and yeah. just so on and so forth. That, not having a spotter, was really pretty awful because I couldn't pinpoint who the who that was because it was the 4th of July game. There are tons of people here. There wasn't anyone around me to say, hey, stop doing that. I don't know. Yeah, I was. that was pretty rough. I mean, there have been other instances where... For the old lady, for instance, uh, Sizzle's pants, he didn't have a full body uh, as far as a full fur body. Uh, it was a top that would cover my shoulders and my arms, and then I'd wear gloves, but then I had a baseball uniform on over the top of it. And it had like a little bit of a hoop in the in the pants to kind of make him stick out just a little bit. Yeah. And I remember taking this picture and this old lady sticking her hand through in between my shirt and my pants and... Uh, yeah, it was, um, I don't know, I feel like I'm still traumatized for it. Let's just put it this way. The old lady definitely found out that uh, it was a bull and not a cow. Wow. How how soon did you realize what was going on? Or like, did she look like this sweet, innocent, elderly woman? And then yeah, she did. And we were taking a picture <laughs> together. <laughs> and I guess her pose was to have her hand in the bull's pants. I'm assuming you can't see down, right? So is that why you just didn't? Yeah, yeah. With Sizzle, I saw out of the mouth, and he had this big, long, lower port part of his the, the mouth, I guess, that would kind of block the downward vision. So yeah, I had no clue until I felt grandma hands. <laughs> grandma. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a story that I don't think I shared during my initial interview. This is a moment when my character's head actually fell off during an appearance. I was kind of green in this whole mascot thing, and I was working my first job for a new company. It was a public event at a convention, and uh, 
I was a little too confident in how this costume I'd only been wearing once or twice before just in practice sessions would behave as I did different things. The issue came when I trusted the fit of the head to the body. The way these pieces were designed, the body was like a large shell of some kind, a lot of space inside for me to move around. And the head did snap on, did attach to my head via a chin strap. But the design of the head had a very firm foam neck that sat very snugly inside the top shell of the body part, the the torso. And so I put this thing on, I'm trying it for a few times, and then, okay, I might not necessarily need to secure that chin strap because the the snug fit between the head and the body was such that I felt it would just, you know, never be an issue. And that was my problem. So I'm at this convention out on the open floor, and this character is a robot, by the way, for an independent company locally in the area where I live. I'm out on the floor in their booth interacting with some kids playing around and doing different things. I think it was tossing a ball or a beanbag or something back and forth with this one kid who came into the booth. And it fell down in front of me. And of course, I had to bend down and pick the thing up, not even thinking that I had not secured the chin strap. And as you can guess, the head just rolled right off. (laughs) Thankfully, I was able to react very quickly and did the only thing I thought I could do And I just sucked my head down inside the body of this thing. I I hunched my shoulders and lifted the torso part up and ducked my head down. So my head was completely inside the body part of this robot mascot costume. Now, I'm sure that one or two people around me probably noticed the immediate thing that happened there. It might have seen my own head. But I'm hoping that the larger part of the audience saw a very panicked and mystified headless robot, which kind of actually worked. And it was, it actually got a lot of laughs, thankfully, from the staff around me as they saw me turtle my head inside the body of this thing and just kind of drop to the floor. And of course, they knew that they had to get the head reattached. But the fact that there was a headless robot in the middle of their booth actually made them and a lot of others in the area kind of laugh as they're trying to scramble and get this thing fixed. They got the head, put it back on. I unturtled myself and put my head back inside the mascot head and, you know, continued on with the rest of that run. You know, next time around, of course, I secured the chin strap. I had learned my lesson. Um, and I never have taken chin straps for granted ever again, no matter how secure the rest of the parts might fit together. The chin strap is something I never, uh, ignored from that point on. Hello there. I, uh, did an interview back in May, um, about Ronnie Rhino, Vinnie Viking, um, and my retirement from Ronnie Rhino. I recently actually, um, was asked to go back for a one-off. Uh, the guy who did it was on holiday because it was a cup match one in the diary. Um, so I, I jumped at the chance, really, and it, it were amazing. Really uh, good to get the opportunity to go back. I tell you what, though, I, I could definitely tell I was ready for retirement after I'd finished. It was uh, it was a hard work. Um, brilliant to see the people. I really enjoyed seeing. Uh, I turned up to collect my tickets and my parking pass, and uh, they were all laughing, saying the divas back. Uh, you know, I'd arrived by helicopter. I were only back because it were on Sky TV and things like that. So we had a bit of banter, really good. Uh, and then, you know, I got ready to 
to be running again. So it was great. Um, you know, I'm excited to run out and do the the infamous dive that I did at the start. They were funny though because I, I did the dive and um, the band didn't play the song that we used to play last season. So I, I found that quite strange. Um, but basically, um, apparently I've changed it this year. So when I did my usual bum wiggle after my dive, they must have picked up it with me and uh, they started playing it. So that was a really nice reaction. I went up into the crowd player on to see them on and play the drum like I always do. Uh, and they sang We've Got Our Ronnie Back, which were, which were lovely. Um, you know, there were some real highlight moments. Uh, the big standout one for me was um, in the Carnegie stand, there's uh, a handicapped boy who's probably been with for five years, maybe. And um, his reaction to me over the eight years has always been beautiful. And uh, it just, you know, erupts with just laughter and joy uh, when he sees Ronnie. So anyway, I went over and I pointed at him straight away and I picked my nose and it, you know, he knew straight away that it was his Ronnie were back. Um, and his mum and dad were crying in the side room saying, we've got him back, he's back. Uh, so I had a little cry in the suit. It was, it was beautiful. And, we had, you know, we had a bit of a laugh. Um, and it was just amazing. Something that, you know, without mascot, and I don't think he could ever get that kind of recognition. And uh, it, were, it was beautiful. It really was. As a dad of three, it meant a lot. And, um, you know, for me, that were the highlights. We beat Feverson 58-0, so the game were a bit of a damn squid in the crowd. There was about 6,000 there, so it was a bit of a nothing game, really. So everything else was kind of tiring. It was beauty to see the crowd and, and interact and see so many people realise that I were back and how many people said, are you back for good and things like that, but obviously I don't talk. Um, so I just wanted to give you an update, really, and let you know um, I was definitely ready to retire from Ronnie, but wow. You know, I, I do miss that interaction with the crowd. I think every mascot said it on each interview. That were absolutely beautiful. So uh, thanks again for letting me re- record my story last uh, couple of months ago. Um, I've got that for life now, so I can show my kids and grandkids. Um, and I just wanted to add this bit onto it because it's kind of a little bit different. Uh, you know, going back to something uh, and getting that, that reaction. So... Thanks to Lee Dry for having me back and uh, thanks to Mascot Diaries. All the best. Love what you're doing. Cheers. Bye. And that was it for my best of volume two. From here on out, we'll go to 35. That's all I have recorded right now. And then I'll put out a best of for episodes 21 through 30. And next week, you can look forward to an interview with the mascot company. He's from Alberta, Canada, and he makes... Does that count as my Canadian person on the show? <laughs> oh, man. And he makes mascot costumes. So it was a good episode. And I think that's it. I reached out to a few people. I'm going to reach out to a few more. Maybe try and get to 40, but nothing so far. And it's kind of tough because I have limited time. This summer has been rough. And I feel like the school year is already around the corner. We'll see. Uh, so as always, thank you for listening and take care. Thank you.